0: something that's close to my heart uh, the title is what are the barriers and strengths of today's newcomer youth and so we have a young woman who is uh, is 19 and, and will be uh, has been here a year and three months she she added it up as we were talking and uh, her name is du uh, dobas darvis I should have put my glasses on and I can do right, and and Christina Larkin, who is from the Left Bridge Immigration uh, uh, Services, as Bridge Family Set the Settlement Services, and so we've agreed that uh, Christina will go first and do some intro and and give you some background information because we're uh, looking at the topic of how what when young people come to canada from other countries what kind of gifts do they bring and what kind of challenges are there that there for them and you'll be impressed with uh 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 who who had um a little bit of english she said when she first came and now she she's in grade 10 at lci and and doing very well and uh but this is one of her first uh large speaking engagements so she's uh, so we'll have to have some... I told her about a time when I was so nervous my knees actually were knocking together. And <laughs> so she's hoping her knees aren't gonna knock, I think. Uh, but we, uh, it's really exciting to have new, new people here in our community and uh, bringing some different ideas and experiences and gifts. And so this is gonna be a very interesting uh, time. And I hope as you uh, have your time over your meal and your time to discuss what you're, you've heard that you'll have some interesting questions to, to follow up on. And uh, so I'm going to uh, turn the, the mic over to Christina Larkin, uh, the Immigration and Settlement Services first worker. And then I'm sure she will introduce uh, our other guest speaker uh, when she's done too, okay?
1: Thank you so much. All right. Sheila, is that good? It's good. good maybe a little hard. All right. How's that? Yeah, we're, good. we're good? All right. Um, so to begin, I do want to welcome Lena and Luke. Uh Thank you so much for coming today and for always sharing your story and your wonderfulness with us all the time. Um, As the manager of Youth Settlement Services, I don't get to spend a lot of time with young people, as much as I would love to do. Um, So I'm really looking forward to hearing from them, and it's wonderful to see you today. And thank you so much to SACPA for having us. Um, SACPA is a wonderful place, that I love to come when I can make it. Uh, I always learn wonderful things, so I'm hoping that I can contribute to this community today, and I look forward to speaking with you all in the future if there's ever anything else I can contribute to you or share. Uh, but to begin, my name is Christina Larkin, and I'm the manager of Youth Settlement Services at Lethbridge Family Services. We're a highly accredited, charitable human services organization that improves the well-being and quality of life for individuals and families in Southern Alberta. You may have heard of us, we're a fairly large nonprofit. profit <laughs> um, There's four programs at Lethbridge Family Services, and within that program, uh, within that, we have Immigrant Services. And within that, we have a variety of teams One of which is Youth Settlement Services, which I have the privilege of heading up. We support young people, like Lena, and Dahouk, from ages 3 to 25, which is a huge amount of young people, uh, and their families, in this adventure that we call Settlement. At Immigrant Services, we do everything from picking refugee families up at the airport, you may have remembered some photos in the newspaper from last year or a couple years ago, Um, people seeing snow for the first time, Um, and meeting independent immigrants when they come into our office looking for support. Uh, We walk them to their first day of school, we help them register for soccer, and we support them to share their story with their community and to find space within it. Our work is based on needs assessments. Um, It's focused on building independence and works very hard to center the autonomy of each individual we serve. Um, I have the pleasure and the privilege and the responsibility of being part of a team that welcomes individuals including young people, to our community from around the world. From this experience, and from my time living and working with young people Mm -hmm. here in Lethbridge over the past 10 years, I'd like to highlight some of the barriers which I see myself and my sector and our community complicit in, and the strengths I see us able to support. Danuk is going to share some of her personal experiences, and I'm going to be speaking on behalf of a community service worker um, to just highlight some of the ways that I think that we can maybe do a better job. I'm gonna start with making a statement that I think we all need to make occasionally. I make a lot of mistakes. As a service provider and as a sector, we, sp- we very often and fall- do fall victim to our own biases. I try to do things more quickly uh, than maybe I should and that results in missed opportunities for the independence of young people. And I'm not always prepared as I could be for the young people who arrive because we're all part of systems that take a long time to change. Um, and we know that newcomers can arrive overnight we sometimes get calls to go to the airport at midnight, they, they're here, quick. <laughs> um, the reality is, these realities are part of the barriers that newcomers face when they arrive in Lethbridge. Uh, and they are barriers that we put up around them sometimes, intentionally or not. However, I've also seen the good work um, that can happen when we recognize the strengths of newcomers and how and how we can support them into using that to their advantage. By identifying how we contribute to their barriers, uh, we can also learn from newcomer, newcomer youth about the ways we might dismantle those barriers. So, here are some ways that I've identified that me and my colleagues uh, can uh, support our wonderful newcomer youth, which I'll explore in the next few minutes. So, number one, we can work harder to show them that we uh, to see them, show them that we see them, and to welcome them. We can ensure that we frame newcomer youth with their strengths in mind and not their deficits. We can better respect their autonomy and we can identify our role in systems that exclude them. So, number one, we can work harder to show them and see them and welcome them. This sounds sort of fluffy and vague, like didn't we put hashtag welcome refugees on our profile photos last year? are we ready? Um, But there are more tangible ways that we can welcome our newcomer youth as identified by our newcomer youth. So from the things that they have said, We need to say their names correctly as much as possible we need to work really hard to learn how to do these things Um, when their names get translated for example uh, from alphabets that are not the alphabet we use they don't get as translated as phonetically as you might expect Um, for example when newcomers are coming uh, from arabic speaking or nepali speaking places they get translated at the border and So, for example, you might see an Arabic speaker um, with the first name with a G-H in it, and it is not a hard G sound. It's, in fact, kind of like a rolling R that's really hard for me to say, like, very (laughs) hard, but you need to try. Um, A V sound will sound more like a German V, like a W, um, or an English W, the English hard V, or the Spanish B. I was spending time with a a young Syrian girl last week, and she told me that the way her schoolmates say her name means fork in Arabic. (laughs) (laughs) Not ideal. (laughs) So, we need to work on that. (laughs) We can ensure that we frame uh, newcomer youth with their strengths in mind, is my next point. So, at a recent conference, I heard a really great suggestion from a researcher in education, that we might consider framing young people who are learning the English language as emergent multilinguals. Emergent multilinguals, instead of English language learners. So, while English language learners does sort of involve um, a little bit of their strength, saying that they are learning this this process and learning this language, um, emergent multilingual gives them the credit for already knowing multiple languages. I was one of the few people in my community growing up that had the pl- privilege of graduating with a bilingual diploma, and then I learned another language later, and I'm still very far behind most of the youth I work with. As Canadians, we, we very often don't have as many languages as the newcomer youth who are arriving on our doorsteps, so we can take a uh, page from their very strong books. Um, so we often see emergent multilinguals as not being able to participate, but instead, What you're actually seeing is a young person in the process of immense learning. Their interaction with us is a chance for us all to be authentic learners. Can you tell I was a teacher? (laughs) Really into the learning. Um, And by focusing on their deficit, of not having yet reached full fluency, robs us all of the opportunity to work through the process of learning. Um, When we work together through things like sign language, repeating ourselves more slowly, something I need to work on, um, listening much harder, and using technological tools like Google Translate to make it through an interaction, we all benefit. A tip on the phone use for working with interpreters it's used most effectively if you use short sentences, small words, and watch for idioms, uh, which don't translate very well. People appreciate the effort of trying to make it through a conversation and not dismissing a language barrier as a reason to not interact or not involve a newcomer youth, because when we put in that effort, it shows that we are truly welcoming and that we are really, really honestly interested in having them here and part of our community. So we need to put in that work. My next point is that we can better respect the autonomy of newcomer youth. By autonomy, I mean recognizing the fact that these are intelligent, capable individuals who should have the right always to make their own choices. Because of the language barriers that many newcomers face, um, those who provide services, myself included, often get lazy and just make a choice for young people, rather than taking the time to include them in that choice. This is a barrier not faced just by newcomer youth, but by youth in general, and quite frankly, by anyone who is not seen to be an able-bodied, English-speaking, Canadian-born, white, formally educated, cisgendered, employed, person who's not too young and not too old. We're very often all left out of these these choices about our own lives, and we all it always feels terrible to us. Um, As a young person, I was and often am frustrated when choices have been made for me without my involvement. But I still find myself falling prey to doing that to young people. When a choice seems simple, or when it feels like it would take too long to get an interpreter, track down a client, book an interpreter, have a conversation that takes twice as long because we speak two languages, risk having a client not choose what I hope they choose, Um, sometimes I just pick something, I fall into this incorrect mindset that I might know better. It's something I need to watch in myself. But this is not the point of the work, which is why I need to watch it. In fact, by doing this, I have completely avoided the work altogether. Um, the point is not to get young res- people, people registered in a program or get them these resources that they need. The point is to be with them as they do that for themselves. The point is to build independence alongside them and be with them on that journey. I want to, I want to center and Uh, encourage you all to center the process in our work, not just the product. But sometimes it becomes all too easy for me and for others to forget this, because we see examples of it all around us. I challenge us to remember that newcomer youth um, are in fact capable, intelligent, self-aware individuals who have their own desires and interests and will be better served if they are the ones making choices about their own lives. We just get the privilege of standing next to them on this journey, helping them tackle and dismantle the walls around them. And this leads to my final point. We need to recognize that we are all part of systems that are contributing both to the barriers and strength building of newcomer youth. Sometimes we're not aware, but it is, our, it is our responsibility to become aware and to create and recreate the welcoming nation that we suggest we are, to ourselves and to the world. For example, some of us work in businesses that contribute to the underemployment rate of newcomer youth. It is higher than that of Canadian-born youth and we are part of that. We don't hire them. Newcomer youth face challenges to employment for one, because increasingly employers are requiring that people have a high school diploma. In theory, this might be seen to promote uh, high school completion, but the reality is for newcomer youth, if you arrive of high school age, the chances of you successfully completing all the coursework required to receive an Alberta high school diploma, is very small. This is a huge systemic barrier that young people face. If they arrive and they're in elementary school, they're good to go usually. They'll acquire the language, they'll complete all the classes, they'll get to high school and just take mainstream classes. But even if you arrive in middle school, if you don't acquire the language quickly enough get to enter high school into right into mainstream classes, the chances are very slim of you getting a high school diploma. Because when newcomer students arrive high school age, they need to go to school, take English language classes first, which usually takes about a year. Then they need to move into required core classes that is designed for ELL students, which is wonderful, but they don't count for the same things as core classes do, and they don't count towards a diploma. So then by the time they get to diploma, credit, courses, it's too late. And then they try to be employed, and they don't have a diploma, and that's all we see on their resume. So understanding the educational context of newcomer youth, might support their increased employment as an example of the system change that we can enact on a local level. We can identify that that the strength of a vast majority of newcomer youth, uh, a strength that the newcomer youth exhibit is an extreme dedication uh, to primary, secondary and post-secondary education and high aspirations for meaningful employment. It is the number one reason cited by parents to me about why they arrived in Canada. We're here for our children to get a good education. Their children were missing out on an education by remaining in refugee camps or remaining in their country of origin. They're here for their children's education. So they're very dedicated to it, but sometimes they get to the end of high school and it doesn't look like non on paper. So we need to recognize this as a strength. So I face this as myself as an employer in the field of settlement. When I have positions available, how can I accommodate for the fact that while I want to employ young people or youth workers who have lived experience as a newcomer, while I also have this sector requirement of high educational attainment? It's a process I struggle with and don't really have any answers for currently. (laughs) But I invite you all to this very interesting and challenging conversation, the love for us as a community to work on addressing that. And finally, to bring up a final topic that I'm not going to delve into in the seriousness that it requires, I apologize but we all need to become personally aware of the ways that we contribute to the global situations that create refugees and forced migration in the first place. As members of an industrialized, militarized culture, we have to reflect on what actions are being taken around the globe through trade, military, and humanitarian efforts in our name, and how those processes contribute to families feeling the need to flee from their homes. They leave behind family members, they leave behind the lives they have built, On the gamble that this home will be safer it's a sobering thought that sits with me as i move through the work of supporting newcomer youth knowing that in many ways my culture has not just welcomed them but also directly and indirectly contributed to their being here at all so simply my being here today um, is in hopes that with my offering of some of the things that i've done wrong uh, and struggled through as a youth worker and as a human um, that I encourage you to consider these these questions and challenges and, and invitations and I hope that I can offer you some of those resources to join me in that conversation. I hope that you consider your role in the barriers and strengths of newcomer youth. From my perspective, we are so, so lucky to meet the young people, including those who are here today, and we should put in the effort that at least matches the effort that they themselves are putting into their settlement. So thank you to Huk for being here. Thank you for joining us with us. And for being in our community. And I hope that we can continue to improve to make this a great place for you both to be. Thank you. <clears throat> now, let you welcome to <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is... Hello, everyone. My name
2: is... Mm-hmm. I'm from Syria. I have been here in Canada for one year and three months. I am 19 years old and I am studying in LCI. And thanks for listening to me and I would like to share to you today my story. First, my life in Syria, I think it was the uh, best life any person wish to have. Like I have everything but I have nothing to worry about. When I was 13 years old, the war started in Syria, and it's not my fault, and nobody can control it. So I had to leave my, my city or my country Syria to Lebanon, and I left there for five years. And I think it was the worst five years in my life, and I would like just to delete it. And sometimes I feel like even I am 19 years old, but I would like to come back five years, to the bus. Some people think like I am crazy. I am still young, so why I have, why I would like to extend these five years? Because in these five years, I think it's the important five years to everyone. In these five years, persons start to rebuild or to build their characters, their dreams, everything. But for me, I stuck in black or dark corner for five years, and like I had a chance to come to here and maybe we built it or to just forget about these five years and I'm very grateful to the Canadian people and to the government Canadian government who gave me this chance to live or truly really live my life again and for something I was sharing with my friend Sheila yesterday in Syria we had to, su- to study a subject called nationalism. I had I think I started to study it since grade five, but I have never understood which mean and what mean like just nationalism, but I've never asked because it's just something we have to study. After when I left Syria I started to understand which what what like nationalism means. And when uh, I came to here I started thinking if I'm gonna be Canadian or Syrian nationalism. It's just something make me thinking about and consider. Then I decide to be the both of them, the Canadian and the Syrian nationalism, but by picking the good things from each other, because nobody is perfect and in each person there is something able or so I would like to be the good front post of nationalism and it is my dream to be and for the stuff that work well or good or help me in this year here in Canada I think it was an important thing to me and to my family is the smile of people even if we know if we have no idea who is the person but when you go to the team and you see a smile on the face that just make you feel it is your home, don't worry. We'll come to you, you will, you will have the chance to rebuild everything again. And for other things, my teachers and people and government, I think they did the best thing to help us and thank you for everyone. But I told you in the beginning there's nothing is perfect. There's something it didn't work well too and uh, I just it's made me happy now and comfortable to tell you about my story because just I gave the answer. Since I came to here I have goal to continue my education and to get my career professional in a university. But when I came to here I find I found out I stuck in a problem of the age because I am nineteen years old. So nineteen years old Newcomer to any country, or for me, like they're a little bit left behind because they consider it between the adults or the youth. So it is hard and special to get their diploma, and I start to fight from start to fight about this problem to continue my education from the first day to me in Canada here, but I just be like. Just before I started the speech and when I just entered this door, I found out this a letter from the principal of LCI and I thanked him even if, if he's not here. He told me I can continue my education here again and it's just something makes me cry because I find um, I tried many times to find, but I could've it. As a list to explain everything about my life, I had wrote a poem to my English teacher about my life and I would like to share with you today. A Muslim Syrian girl when she was 13 years old, a strong storm carried her carried her to different and harder world. From the world of a child's home to the adult world, without her one. To have adult thinking to behave like adults behave. To have their responsibilities, even if she don't want. No, no, she didn't want it to happen, but it happened. The storm stayed for five years. This storm took her to several and different situations. This is the last situation was to drink, to drop her in Canada, to give her a new life. But nothing is free. She came to new language, new community, new culture, new world. But she, de- she decided to face all these struggles. It was hard for some people to understand her because of what she looked like, her religion, or her value. One day in her school, a student said to her, Hi, to her, so she asked her sister, does she know me? Yes, she does, her sister said. The girl repra- replied how she does know. The sister said, your hijab makes you known everywhere you are. Because there's just five students who wear hijab in school. Some people will say she has no hair, she has ugly hair, or she's sick. So the girl, she will answer their thinking, I have hair the same as any, the same with any girl in the world. I have a heart and I have a soul. I have rights as do other people. Under this hijab, there's person who respects others and desires the respectful from others. We are in a 21st century when the world will stop thinking about religion or about political trends. When are we going to think about just being the human with rights? Help other, help other people, all of us sisters, brothers, all of us brothers and sisters. No difference between white or black people, Muslim or Christian, Christianity, Syrian or Canadian, just human. Time is like a sword. If you don't cut it, it will cut you. If we don't correct our mistake today, we are gonna never to correct it. If the world doesn't stop thinking about this today, it will never stop thinking about this issue. And thanks for listening.